0: of man. The United Kingdom Conservative Party celebrated its most sweeping victory since Margaret Thatcher. The original Euroskeptic won the election for Prime Minister back in 1987. Conventional wisdom is that when Boris uh, Johnson crushed Labour's Jeremy Corbyn on December 12th, there was a loudly stated solid rejection of old-fashioned lefty politics. But how often does conventional wisdom prove to be accurate over the long term? Part of that conventional wisdom is that Corbyn equals Bernie Sanders, and that means sure defeat for a progressive Democratic Party nominee on this side of the Atlantic. And that if we want to oust Trump, we better nominate someone of some undefined center. Perhaps, perhaps, this is all hogwash. One of our guests today, Greg Pallast, has made a different take on the results than what appears to be conventional wisdom. His article in Britain's The Guardian is titled Progressives Win Big in Britain. Really? His clearly contrary take is that, in his words, the UK vote, which no one can say is a roaring endorsement of Boris Johnson, is in fact the new wind in the sails of an anti globalization action. Greg Pallas, thanks so much for being with us on Keeping Democracy Alive.
2: Glad to be with you, (laughs) and let's uh, do our best to keep democracy alive the next hour.
0: Oh boy, it's going to be difficult. This is a group effort, folks. Greg Pallast is best known as an investigative reporter for The Guardian of Britain, Rolling Stone, and Democracy Now! Pallast is a Puffin Foundation fellow in investigative reporting, the author of several New York Times bestsellers, including... The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, now a feature film available free on Amazon Prime or at Greg Is dot com. He's an economist who lectured at the Cambridge University School of Applied Economics, and he's part of a small group, I don't know if they still exist, known as Lexits, Leftists for Brexit. He's joined on a program uh, by the British Chief Investigator for the Palast Investigative Fund, Laney Badpenny, an expert on British politics, both of whom know whereof they speak and will give us a very different view of Brexit and the British election than found in the mainstream media. Well, again, thanks for being with us. You say progressives should rejoice that the British vote for Brexit and election uh, Boris Johnson is a victory for the anti-globalist movement, which started in the Battle of Seattle 1999. That was yes. twenty. That was twenty years ago. Briefly, what was that, and how in heck does the twenty nineteen crushing of labor in Britain relate?
2: Okay, for those of us, for those ancient uh, group of us who remember the Battle of Seattle of nineteen ninety nine, this was when the issue of globalization of this free market, free trade, uh, neoliberal, uh, right wing. Uh, privatize everything philosophy was facing a massive protest in the streets of Seattle in which um, you know or, organizations um, uh, all over the world came to the WTO meeting in Seattle, Washington and said no you are you are um, this is this is corporations uberalis, free markets uberalis, and we and we took on globalization. We also had great intellectual leaders like uh, the Nobel Prize winner uh, Joseph Stiglitz of uh, The Economist, and, uh, who I lecture with in, in Cambridge. And, and I have to say that so it was considered anti-globalization. was considered, a, you know, this was our left-wing movement. This Absolutely, was yeah. our standing up against corporate takeover of our democracy.
3: Yeah, it was the standard and,
2: um, and one of the people who, when I was uh, when I was covering and writing about the globalization monster, WTO, um, the, the the World Bank, the European Union. One of my biggest boosters of my writings in the Guardian, the exposés of the globalization monster, was a, was my own um, MP, my own member of Parliament, when I lived in Islington, England, working for the Guardian and BBC. Was a guy named Jeremy Corbyn, yeah. huh. and now, after th- you have to understand, after thirty years in Parliament, where Jeremy Corbyn, uh, who was the guy who just ran for Prime Minister and right. lost, got right. slaughtered. Yes, um, for thirty years he'd been a key voice in the anti-globalization movement, and in particular, he was a key advocate of re- getting. Britain the hell out of the European Union which is a vicious corporate controlled organization and we saw what they did to the greek people of uh, in uh, you know to greece right. to spain you have massive massive unemployment and economic terrorism by the rich in europe you have 40% i want to repeat that 40% unemployment among the young in italy and portugal and spain wow. Uh, you have official official unemployment outside of Germany of about 10%. You're talking about depression-level uh, unemployment in Europe right now, depression-level unemployment that we saw in 1933 in the United States. Mm. And, and yet they said, oh, and this is the result of the European Union where you have a corporate control of this entity which can overturn national laws, which... Uh, has opened their market. So, for example, the the British auto industry completely collapsed. So, what does this have to do with this election, and why? You know, because I know that many Americans think two things about what they hear about Brexit because they read it in the mainstream press, yep. in the New York Times, in the Boston Globe, and and you get all these papers saying, "Oh, people who British people who are for Britain leaving the European Union." The line we get is that these people are ignorant. These people are racist. They don't want to be part of, uh, you know, they don't want people from uh, Europe coming into Britain. You know, it's like they kind of relate it to like, oh, it's like Trump trying to stop uh, people from Central America crossing our border and, and becoming Americans. No, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening at all. It is 1999 where the, where the working class of Britain has said, we have had enough. You've destroyed their, the auto industry left Britain for Germany, and they're not, and they will not put up with this globalization corporate control monster anymore. So they voted for Brexit under the slogan "Take Back Control." That's what the working class
3: wants. Mm-hmm. Now,
2: I know that you just mentioned cr- that a lot of people in America who are, uh, you know, progressive, sure. leftist. Yep. Um, and, you know, I'm in that progressive pack. People know Greg Palace know me as the guy you see on Democracy Now, talking about like our own democracy, which is, you know, like uh, I just got off another radio show where I was talking about the massive purge of voters, of black voters oh, yes. in Florida, in, uh, Florida, Georgia. Uh, Georgia, Wisconsin, Ohio. I've been fighting Jim Crow and and. The anti democracy corporate movement in the U.S. for a long time. But what happened with Jeremy Corbyn, the, who is the labor leader,
3: mm-hmm.
2: got elected labor leader, he ran as literally, he even was happy to call himself the Bernie Sanders of Britain. And he became head of the a progressive, a very left wing progressive who became head of the labor party. But then he did something that if Bernie Sanders did it, we'd lose our minds. Yeah. He reversed three decades of his position against Europe, that is, against the European Union and the corporatocracy that runs the European Union. And he suddenly embraced it, and he said, I'm for staying in the European Union. Now imagine if Bernie Sanders wins the nomination at the convention this August. Imagine, and Bernie Sanders suddenly says, I know I've been saying the hell with the TPP, Uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the hell with the WTO, the the hell with NAFTA. Bernie has been dead set against this free market mania for a long time. Yes, But imagine if he got the nomination, turned around and said, you know what, I've been thinking, now that I have the nomination... Um, I'm for the WTO. I'm for, let's stay in NAFTA, even the NAFTA, the horrible NAFTA we have. Right. Uh, let's, let's, no, I, I changed my mind. We're going to join the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I've right. now changed my mind. I'm going to become Mr. Free Market. Well, we would consider him that he's betrayed us, that he sold out his supporters and the working class. That's exactly what Corbyn did. He turned his back a lifetime of opposition to globalization. And ironically, the so-called right-wing candidate, that is the, the, the Tory candidate, conservative candidate, Boris Johnson, he reversed a lifetime of being pro globalization and he reversed so it's like imagine <laughs> if 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 like trump and hillary like switch position or bernie sanders becomes you know the nominee and, and you know they, the two parties kind of switch positions you have this wacky wacky situation in britain in which you have a new a brand new boris johnson's only been in office about 5 months a brand new prime minister who is supposedly like the equivalent of our Republicans, saying, screw the corporations. Uh, we're done with globalization. You know, we're going to say the working class first. And then the left-wing guy says, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> we want to go back under corporate control. I realize that globalization <laughs> is the wave of the future. I mean, you'd lose your mind. You'd say, what happened here? And so what happened, literally, is that the electorate in Britain reversed working-class people of the North and, and Middle and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Midlands of England.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The working class.
0: The solid base. Who had
2: voted for a century. There were people who had voted uh, labor seats where they had been held for a literally a century, flipped and voted for the conservatives, that is Boris Johnson and the Tories, because they were anti-globalization. And then you had all these... London yuppies and the uh, upper middle class, and the ruling class, saying, oh, well, we're going to vote with, um, uh, against the prime minister. We're going to vote with Jeremy Corbyn, or we're going to vote. Uh, they, there's a bunch of other, yeah. you know, the, England has other parties, which right. are substantial, like the Liberal Democrats, which right. were for literally canceling a vote. You have to understand, Britain held a vote. Imagine if we held a vote on NAFTA, okay? NAFTA would lose. Well, they held a vote on on, on the European Union, and, and the European Union, of course, lost, as it would in every nation, every nation, if you put it to a vote. If you're for democracy and you put it to a vote, the European Union would disappear. Wow. In England, yeah. people voted against it, and yet, um, so what happened was the people voted to get the hell out of the, off of the control of the, the German mm-hmm. uh, corporate powers. Unelected. uh decided to um they they 100 years of voting labor they switch parties and you had a liber, uh this liberal democratic party for example third party which mm-hmm. said oh we're going to just cancel the vote we're literally going to cancel the vote we held and stay in the european union and they got slaughtered so what happened is that a lot of what's misunderstood in america this is a long speech to tell you what's misunderstood That's in right. america it's yes. not an attack on progressive politics it is in fact a victory for progressive politics i know i by the way I'm, i you know i know very well bernie sanders i know very well but i also know the prime minister of england well boris johnson and i know jeremy corbyn well like i say he was my he was my member of parliament when i lived in england and all i can tell you is that anyone who thinks that boris johnson is the right wing and jeremy corbyn is the left wing does not understand the details of british politics the British working class and progressives said, Corbyn, you sold us out. And, and Boris Johnson is not a, a right-wing nutcase at all. He's, um, he uses a phrase, an old phrase called One Nation Tory, which would be the equivalent of our kind of progressive Republicans. Or
3: hmm.
2: he's kind of more, if you had to place him on the political spectrum, call him kind of anti-globalization hmm. Hillary Clinton
0: whoa that's a hard concept. my brain can 't quite handle that but what uh, <laughs> well i i am reminded uh i 'm old enough to remember when the republican party had as its here in america had as its enemy russia now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've completely flipped. They embrace Russia. They want they they just welcome Putin in here, and uh, to heck with democracy, and uh, go with uh, go with well, that.
2: We all, but we also have. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of weird reversals. Oh I do, yeah, I, I got to tell you, Adam Schiff. I went from Jeremy Corbyn, who is my MP in Britain, and I moved to Los Angeles, where Adam Schiff, right. who is of course running the impeachment uh, hearings in the House, yeah. uh, is my congressman. Uh huh. And, fr- frankly, he uses phrases that I heard from Joe McCarthy, you know, from Joe McCarthy in ah, 1952. The Republicans talking about Russia, you know, that we have to control uh, who says what and we have to stop, you know, um, you know, that he's applauding the arrest and pr- imprisonment of Julian Assange. Oh, I know. You know, that type of thing. And and I just, you know, so you can't always go by the simple labels of Democrat, Republican, nor can you go by the simple labels of, of labor yes uh tory yes. in britain and uh, so people have to understand what? if i know that the u.s press is immediately as you said you know and you're in new hampshire you're you're you got i know you have elizabeth warren waiting in your living room to talk to you after
0: <laughs> no no not my living lunch room.
2: over lunch um but the so what the message that they're trying to send you from britain is yeah Oh, if you nominate a progressive, uh, you're going to lose. Yep. No, Jeremy Corbyn was not a Bernie Sanders progressive by any means. He took a super right-wing position on the number one. I wouldn't say that Brexit, that leaving the European Union and leaving the globalization monstrosity. I wouldn't say that that is the major issue. It was absolutely the only issue in the British election, Uh the only issue. And so you had this wacky reversal where the conservative was on the left and the left (laughs) labor guy was on the right. And so you had the electorate flip. You had this crazy flip in the electorate in which normally the, the staunchest labor supporters, the most progressive, left-wing, working-class people of Britain said, well, we're going with the the so-called Tory, with Boris Johnson, because he's on our side. So it's a very simple thing.
0: Well, I have to say that, you know, the Democratic Party here in America uh, used to consider itself as a dependable champion for working people, but in uh, 2016, the election came off as the Democrats were elitists, serving the very rich, and it was the Trump who, you know, convinced people, uh, working people, that he was their advocate. Now, I don't think that was accurate, well, but it, 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 there was a yeah, flip well, as well. For
2: good reason. Okay, okay, let's remember this. For those who understand NAFTA, that is North American Free Trade Agreement, which is the free trade insanity. Of, yes. of joining Mexico, the U.S., and Canada right. in a free trade zone. And what happens is it's not free trade, okay? It's about beating down the working people of all three nations. So you have three nations of workers competing against each other for jobs, reducing wages so that we've had this massive increase in America's um, productivity, and GDP, the gross domestic product, our production, I'm an economist, sorry for using these letters, Uh, but you've had this massive increase in America's wealth and it's not going to the working class. And NAFTA was a big part of that. Now understand, when Bill Clinton ended up supporting NAFTA, remember this was a George Bush treaty. George Bush Sr. and his corporate cronies created NAFTA and the uh, and the the vicious um, vote thieves in Mexico. And you think thievery is bad in the U.S.? Just look at you know what we had in Mexico years ago. And uh, you had the elites of these of the corporate elites of these nations say, "Okay, we're going to have the workers compete against each other in this thing called NAFTA." And sure. if you remember a guy named Ross Perot, everyone made fun of him. Oh, he said, "Oh, NAFTA. We're going to end up with this giant sucking sound of jobs moving to Mexico." Guess what? We went from a surplus of trade with Mexico, of about uh, we had a, a trade surplus of Mexico with about a half billion dollars a year, and it became immediately a five billion dollar deficit. Yeah. Yes, there was a there was a giant
0: sucking.
2: Yes, there down. was. There was. He and was in right. fact, the war. Uh, uh, The Chrysler plant in Warren, Ohio, moved lock, stock, and barrel down to Monterey. Uh, Here in Los Angeles, the Chevy plant um, simply went on rail cars. The entire plant just picked up and went to Mexico. All these jobs went to Mexico. By the way, it didn't help the Mexicans very much because it required them. They got slaughtered competing against U.S. agribusiness. So Mexico was damaged. Canada was damaged. American jobs were damaged, all to the benefit of the elite. So the real giant sucking sound of NAFTA was the wealth of America sucking upward (laughs) into the 1%. And so what's happened is, but then we had this wacky thing. Now NAFTA passed. Every single Republican in the U.S. Senate voted for it. Only a small handful of right-wing Democrats voted for it. But it was supported by two guys from the Democratic leadership council, uh, right wing Democratic yes. leadership council. By the way, it was founded by money from the Koch brothers. Just so you know, oh, God. the a guy named Bill Clinton and a guy named Al Gore. Yes, were picked out by the rich to run our country. See if they if they were going to have a Democrat, they at least wanted to pick the Democrat. And Gore and Clinton were the about just about the only Democrats in the United States that backed NAFTA. That's how we had <laughs> NAFTA. And then this woman, Hillary Clinton, who oh, yeah. seems to be a relation to Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. but what she did was she said she started defending NAFTA violently. She went to Michigan. Michigan, where auto workers oh, in Detroit had lost their jobs by the Hundreds of thousands. People lost their jobs by the hundreds of thousands. And she went to Detroit during the 2016 election and defended NAFTA and free trade. Mm. She was in favor of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, Mm. um, which would have given corporate powers control of the entire Pacific Rim. She was in favor of that until Bernie Sanders, until she realized she was going to lose to Bernie Sanders, in the middle of the campaign she supported, she said, okay, I won't support the tpp Uh and i the horrible thing is that you got this circus barker this casino con man this grifter called donald trump who said i'm gonna end nafta day one i'm in office i'm gonna end nafta i'm going to reopen these auto plants and by the way here's something democrats are gonna have to deal with that Chrysler plant from Warren, Ohio, yeah. it went to Monterey, Mexico. Yeah. It's back in Warren, Ohio, and it opened up. Mm. And the Democrats are going to have to deal with the fact that, in fact, uh, you know, they they oh trade war we're against the trade war. I'm not against trade war. Um, and because it's a war on the working class of all these nations. Well, those should... plants reopened. Hillary Clinton never went to a single closed auto plant. I was in Ohio during the election. I was in Toledo, Ohio. I was in where, the, you know, what's happened is, is that you had all these UAW members, the, the Auto Workers Union, mm-hmm. on, and I can tell you, I have pictures of this, where they their bumper stickers on one side of the bumper said Bernie. The other side of the bumper said Trump. Yep. And the head, the, the uh, uh, officials from the um, UAW told me, we cannot get our workers voted overwhelmingly for Bernie, mm-hmm. who won the Michigan primary, yeah. who won the Wisconsin primary. Mm-hmm. we They're all voting Trump because of this free trade nonsense. And that's what happened in Britain. The people that voted for labor, the equivalent of our Democratic Party, for decades, for generations, yep. said we've been sold out by the Democratic Party, or in that case it's the Labor Party. They sold us out. We're going to have to go with this other guy.
0: Yep. Who? That's what happened and here. Unlike
2: too. Trump, by the way, just so you know, yeah. unlike Trump, Boris Johnson is not a lying monster the way Trump is. Uh, he's kind of, you know, he's you're kind of middle, he's kind of a middle of the road politician, and he was for all the things that we associate with progressive politics, like massive increases in health care. There, they have the socialist uh-huh. national health service, and. Uh, you know, so massive increased health care, um, making the the uh, income tax more progressive, um, supporting a massive increase in infrastructure and funding schools. He was the mayor of London, which which is, you know, a min- mostly minorities, mm-hmm. just like New York City. Massive city. He was mayor of a city where almost everyone is registered or sees themselves as a Labor Party member, and he was not in the Labor Party and yet he did. He took care of this stuff. So he's not like he's not Trump right. by any means. And I and I think it's crazy when I hear, oh, he's the equivalent of Trump. But the, like you say, the lesson here is not that a progressive will lead you to defeat. Corbyn was not progressive, and his opponent, who is supposedly conservative, is quite progressive. Yes, so we don't misread this thing at all.
0: Well, there's been a tremendous amount of misreading. That's what we're here for right now. Bert Cohen here on Keeping Democracy alive. Our guest is Greg Palast, who knows a little bit about British politics. He's got a new article in The Guardian, British paper, called Progressives Win Big in Britain. Really. And you mentioned about uh, uh, jobs leaving uh, this country, America. I remember 1996 when Pat Buchanan, the scary right-wing Pat Buchanan, was for uh, protectionism. I actually thought... Hey, that's not a bad idea. But uh, what's, what has happened to what has happened to uh, working class jobs in the UK as a result of Brexit? The impression we've gotten is that uh, well, there's basically been a, a giant sucking sound there as well, that they've gone to other countries. I mean, the steel industry, the automobile industry. Uh, how, how is that affected by being part of the EU? Hasn't it hurt British workers?
2: Usually, and this is one of the problems. Okay, so that a lot of the, those people who talked about, uh, you know, like Brexit is the end of the world, that is, when we talk about Brexit, we mean Britain leaving the European Union. Yes. The European auto, the British auto industry has been completely demolished. It was sent to Germany. Britain does not buy, does not sell to the European Union. Britain buys from the European Union. It's a terrible deal for the average worker and and the Germans use that to keep down wages in Germany. The uh and and they destroy jobs and keep down wages in Britain. So we have the same situation but even worse than in the US where the nation's wealth, Germany's wealth is rising, but the workers of Europe are getting demolished, demolished Italian wages. You know, they talk, I, I heard, you know, it's like American commentators don't know what they're talking about. Lawrence O'Donnell, who's a very intelligent man, said, oh, the European Union led to peace and prosperity in Europe. Well, if you didn't notice the, the Balkan Wars, that was pretty bloody for peace. And in terms of prosperity, the Italians' uh, average wage is less than it was 20 years ago. Wages have been crushed by the European Union, and the corporate powers and the banks have done amazingly well, but you've seen this mass shutdown of uh, you know, of industry in Britain. And you've also had, as my friend, uh, one of the Legzits, as we call them, the left-wing pro-Brexit people like Tariq Ali, has said, we have... Tariq Lee, who is himself an immigrant to Britain, has said, look, you have massive roving hordes of unemployed people who are sloshing around Europe, which is what they want. Again, I want to emphasize this, 10%, 20% unemployment among young people. Um, and in some states, up to, in some nations, up to 40%. Right. This is crushing Wages, it's crushing hope. And I got to tell you, everyone's talking about, oh, uh, you know, uh, but this attack on free trade, which makes everyone prosperous, not, this, it's not free no. trade. And I want to let you know that everyone talks about Trump and his war and his uh, uh, war on free trade. The United States, under Barack Obama, imposed massive, massive tariff penalties on Germany. Okay, because they are cheats. You think China cheats in trade? Germany's awful. And if you are part of the European Union, as, as Britain is, until next month when they're out, um, this is crushing the British worker, and they won't put up with it. But, it, but don't look at this as a rejection of progressive politics. In right, fact, right. It's, it's a massive victory for the anti-globalization movement. The people of Britain voted. To get out of the European Union, and if you let the Germans vote, if you let the Italians vote, if you let the Spanish vote, if you let the Portuguese vote, they would all vote to get the hell out of the European Union.
0: Yeah, I have a because se- it's
2: not a union of Europeans; it's a union of corporate powers.
0: Interesting point there, and uh, I, I just, I have a feeling. Well, we had the sense that part of when the vote happened in 2016 for Brexit that. The there was a lot of concern, and we've gotten this picture here, as you know, that immigrants were a big problem. That darker-skinned immigrants, and you know, Trump is very, very racist against our darker-skinned yes. immigrants. And we've seen some comments from from Boris Yeltsin, uh, you know, John. I mean, uh, Boris Johnson, Jesus, <laughs> Boris Johnson has continually made openly racist comments in newspaper articles that seemingly led directly in rises to attack on Muslim women. Uh, and these criminals often quoted Boris Johnson during their attacks. How much of a factor was racism? We, I, a lot of us on the left I here think h-
2: that's okay. I, just so you know, I know, like I say, I know Jeremy Corbett. I know Boris Johnson. Okay. There's no question that that orange-tainted, bloviating bigot in the White House is a racist.
3: Oh, no question.
2: And, and uh, foments racism and applauds racism. We saw that in Charlottesville. In fact, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, our, uh, the photographer at the Palace Fund, Zach Roberts, who took those pictures of the, of the schoolteacher in Charlottesville being nearly being beaten to death and run in my paper, The Guardian, and, and around the world. And I have to say, uh, the idea that Boris Johnson is racist is completely nuts. Uh, he made one stupid comic, because he's a, he's a, just so you know, Boris Johnson's a comic, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's literally. I don't. You know. Like Zelensky came out of the uh, the, the president of Ukraine, who was who a comic, and um, he thought he's being very cute by calling. He said, you know, Britain is a very open place. You can dress how you want, even if you want to wear one of those. You know, if you're Muslim and you want to dress like a letterbox. So he thought that was very cute. But obviously, that's a kind of racist, hateful, you know, stupid thing to say. But believe me, Boris Johnson, when he was. Uh, mayor of London again, am I, uh, one of the uh, this probably more Muslims in uh, has a more a greater Muslim population than any city other city in the West. Okay, he no one ever said that when he was mayor of London, he did anything but protect the public, no matter your your race or color, and that's one of the reasons he was very popular. So we got to be very careful. We should never equate Boris Johnson with uh, donald trump right because again the message it's important the elite in america is trying to send you a message don't don't pick a progressive to uh... don't let the the progressive should not take over the democratic party because it will lead to the destruction you saw in britain of the labor party the labor party did basically defeated defeated itself Mm -hmm. by abandoning its long-held pro working class positions that's the real story and Johnson no one you can't legitimately say Johnson has promoted or endorsed bigotry and in fact you had a big problem where you have some a lot of bigotry that was identified within the labor party
0: well, I did want to ask that was about that
2: also an issue and so you know so it's what they want to they want to sell you a story they want to sell you a fairy tale. Now listen up children, if you pick a progressive in the United States, you're going to end up like the British Labour Party demolished and uh, demolished top to bottom. No, that's not the that's not right. the lesson to be drawn. It was an anti-globalization eruption by the working class saying we have had it. And they their own party, the Labour Party abandoned the working people of britain that's the real story when the and that's what happened in the united States. absolutely what we saw in britain yep. was exactly what happened when um
0: the democratic you know, party abandoned uh, its working class
2: ran for pr- president as mr pro nafta right. he sold out the working
0: class right and he also uh i actually spoke with him once about china and he was saying oh it's constructive engagement that it'll lead to democracy yeah, that didn't exactly work. How's, how's that working for you, now? <laughs> I know. As the people of, of China and Hong Kong, oh my goodness. For those who may have just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. The show is Keeping Democracy Alive. Our guest today, Greg Palast, uh, who uh, is with The Guardian and uh, author of a whole bunch of books. We're talking about uh, the recent British election in which he says progressives win big in Britain. Really. Now, we talk about... Uh, uh, Racism and uh, and charges of uh, of uh, you know that uh, anti-Semitism was a big part, and I strongly believe that the people of England don't like anti-Semitism. They you know they know about that stuff, and there was a steady stream of what I thought were unsubstantiated allegations of anti-Semitism on the part of Jeremy Corbyn, uh, and it was alleged that he was a terrorist sympathizer. Uh, c- could he have dealt with those charges? More effectively, do you think? And and were they accurate? Yeah,
2: he was terrible because one of the problems was okay. It's just like in America, even in America, people do not like to consider themselves racist. No, even if they harbor these things. In other words, like we have a Mar- we do have Martin Luther King Day off in America. It's a national holiday. All right, and um, because we have a certain idealized view of of ourselves as Americans, yes. and that's good, yeah. you know, and um, And people were horrified when, uh, you know, Donald Trump decides, you know, said, oh, well, there are people in Charlottesville. uh, There are good people on both sides, including the the guys with the tiki torches beating the crap out of black people. Literally uh, running over, murdering uh, people and beating up black people. Okay, that was the guys that he said were, oh, it's good people on both sides. Really? So Corbyn kind of did the same kind of Trump thing. And um, there, there is a problem of massive anti-Semitism in parts of England. And unfortunately, whereas anti-Semitism is kind of a, something you find when I go to Trump rallies and stuff, and I've been to Trump rallies, you'll get all these kind of like the Oath Keepers and all these groups, which are white supremacist and anti-Semitic. In Britain, you have a lot of upper class people who are anti Semitic. It's kind of a little bit of a reverse than
3: yes, here. Yes.
2: And um, and Corbyn had a, like, for example, you know, would not do, he would not take strong steps to say, we're not going to tolerate this. And, you know, he did things like lay a reef at the uh, cemetery with the terrorists from the, 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 the Olympic killings, et cetera. You know, even if you agree with someone's position you can't stand up in favor of terrorism and you know it isn't true you know i know people use phrases like one man's freedom fighters next man's terrorist that's not true when you kill civilians you're a terrorist uh whatever you think of the you know in 9 11 whatever the position of the the political views or position of the hijackers were that that brought down the world trade center um they were terrorists by any definition you cannot support that And so, because Corbyn had a very confused position, it upset British people in terms of how they see themselves, just like Trump in Charlottesville upset most Americans. You have to understand, it wasn't just some of us, most Americans were horrified by Donald Trump's statement. That's why, you know, you you can't, you have to say that uh, America falls short of its ideals, but we do have ideals, and that's good. And British people have ideals too, and they don't. And they don't want anyone being openly racist, openly anti-Semitic. It's not something that the British people see in themselves. And they and they were very upset that Corbyn would not take on the uh, these issues. And so you know, so but the problem is is that here it's it's you get this wacky kind of distorted mirror view of what's going on. Again, they're trying to sell you on the idea that um you know nominating a progressive in the democratic party is going to lead you to political destruction that is not true it's when the Demo- it's when the labor party just like the democratic party left its working class ideals and its and its position protecting the working class and became pro corporate pro free trade that's how they got slaughtered that's how they got slaughtered and it's hard not you know, you have to understand what the British people did, and it should, and they really stood up against the globalization free trade monsters, and that leftist, like people, it should be applauding and be, take heart from that, even if you don't love Boris Johnson, and I know, like I, like I say, I know Boris, and I don't love him as a politician. I think he's a guy without, I don't think he has any strong positions on any subject <laughs> at all. He's just a pure ball of ambition. But the British—so don't—forget who he is. Right. He's just a clown. Right. But the British people said no more to corporate elitism and corporate control of our future. And if they let every nation in Europe vote to get out of out of the European Union, almost everyone would leave.
0: Oh, I, just, I know, especially in, in Southern Europe. I, I have yeah. a feeling it—, it the uh, ball is starting to unravel, uh, and, and this, is, this is a big part of it for sure. How is the economy of England likely to be affected? Will the economy improve after January 31st, do you think? There will be more jobs coming in, or, you know, is it going to— 100%. Do tell. And,
2: and economists are usually hedging their bets, but as an economist, yeah. I'm going to actually say a 100% improvement. You know what happened? When, when the British people voted for Brexit, that is, to remove Britain from the European Union. Right. They said, oh, it's going to lead to a depression, uh, the stock market's going to crash, the British pound's going to crash, uh, we're going to have massive unemployment. Britain's economy expanded. Okay, The markets went up. They didn't lose a bazillion jobs. In fact, it was just the opposite. And so the doomsayers, and that's what happens with the, all the free marketeers say, the minute you have a trade war. The minute you have, um, you give the working class anything. It's just like raising minimum wage. By the way, uh, you know, um, you know, John's talked about raising minimum wage too. When you are, when you know, they always say, "Oh, we're going to lose jobs unless you oh, unless yeah, you yeah. go the corporate line." They're gonna, they're gonna say, "Oh, you're going to destroy the economy by messing with the free market." Hmm. Well, the free market messes with you. And when the British people said no to the European Union, their economy grew, okay, versus Europe. You have to, uh, outside of Germany, which basically controls the rest of Europe and abuses the rest of Europe through its misuse. Talk about currency cheating. We talk about China currency cheating. The worst currency cheater on this planet is Germany. And they've taken the jobs away from the rest of Europe. And the rest of Europe is in desperate situation financially. And, and the British people said, we don't need to tie ourselves to the Titanic, the economic Titanic.
0: Uh, well, what about the national health system? Isn't there a real threat of the Tories taking down the very popular, highly valued National Health Service and replacing it with a private, more burdensome and more costly system?
2: Not a chance. Do tell. Not a chance. And this is a canard that was, again, and I saw this repeated in some of our so-called progressive press in the U.S., that somehow uh, with uh, Boris Johnson was going to sell off the National Health Service to Donald Trump and his cronies. And Jeremy Corbyn, and this really made me sick, because, again, I know Jeremy. He was such a really good, decent guy. He's waving this document. He got this inside document uh, that was on uh, Politico, got a hold of the document here in the U.S. And it's like 450 pages of discussion between the British government and uh, the U.S. administration on trade. And they said, oh, this says in this document, it was like Joe McCarthy, I have this document here that says that the the British government is going to sell the National Health Service to the U.S., and he waived this document, but he never showed us a single line in that document which says that or even suggests that. That's complete nonsense. Complete nonsense. And after all, this is Jeremy Corbyn, who's now, this guy was selling us free market, the free market, the wonders of the free market. And it's, and, you know, Boris Johnson saying just the opposite. He was saying, I'm going to put uh, about um, 650 million pounds a year Every year it's going to rise to, to have more employment, more protection for the National Health Service. National Health Service, the NHS, is, like, it's next to the queen. It's the most important now, thing to any Briton.
3: I would and think so, And any yeah.
2: politician that even breathes or suggests the privatization and sell-off of the NHS is going to get slaughtered. Now, have parts of the NHS services been privatized? Yes, but I want to tell you, that was begun by the Labour Party under Tony Blair. The, the Labour Party, not the Conservatives, were selling off the NHS little by little. But it's still a, you know, they they basically contracting out services. But it is still a socialized health care system which the people of Britain would destroy any politician who even dares touch their socialized medicine
0: that's good to know i must say and uh yeah but and we talked earlier about you know the the allegations that oh if democrats in america choose a a lefty progressive we're going to lose well look what happened last time you know it's like the the democrats turned their backs on the base of the democratic party and they voted for trump and uh, yes
2: and exactly and you know what let me explain some sure. you know it was ultimately winston churchill who was a well, he was in this, um, a third party uh, and he was one of the people that created the national uh, health care system. And he was a Tory. That is a conservative, right. ultimately. But even just like Republicans in America know you can't touch Medicare, right. Right? right? If If a Republican, in fact, it was George Bush who expanded Medicare with Part D drugs, right? So the Republicans have learned you don't touch people's, Healthcare, care. And they learned that when they try to undo even Obamacare. No matter how weak you thought of it, it was still an improvement and they couldn't take that away. So, just like in Britain, you don't see that. And what they're trying to do is, again, tell you, don't touch progressives because it will destroy you. Medicare for all. Oh, my God. You know, when Hillary talked about, oh, we can't afford Medicare for all. Yeah, but we seem to afford Medicare for you. She was on Medicare. <laughs> um, and, you know, so Medicare for you is okay. So another... Now, just so you know, as an economist, I started out in healthcare economics, huh. and uh, the um, and it's real simple. Medicare for all means that you have a younger, healthier population in your insurance pool, so Medicare for all actually strengthens Medicare right. for everyone
0: because it costs and less. So, There's fewer you know, payouts. So,
2: so I just want progressives to know, know what happened in England was something we should applaud—a rising up of the working class against the globalization monster. And yes, every election has all these weird complexities. Yes. But this was a one issue election in Britain. Globalization versus those who say enough with the free markets. The free markets are very expensive to us as working people, right? Mm. And it was an uprising against globalization. And those on the left, like Tariq Ali and John Pilger and others on the left, if you know these names, those of us who actually know the details of what's going on in Britain understand that this was not not a rejection of progressive politics, just the opposite. Boris Johnson, if you're in the U.S. running for president, sounds a lot more like Liz Warren than he does like Marco Rubio. Yeah. Just so you know.
0: Ah, uh, interesting. Bert Cohen here. We are keeping democracy alive. Our guest today, Greg Pellas, talking about the progressives winning big in Britain. Really? And it sure is different from what the mainstream media is telling us. So was there not a uh, racist aspect to Brexit? Wasn't it part of the—I know we touched on this a little bit before, but just to to clarify, of of keeping out the immigrants and, you know, uh, closing the gates after, uh, you know, so that no more immigrants can come in. Was that—that was kind of the impression we had, that that was at least part of it. Well,
2: of course. That's what they— okay, they want to sell you that people who were for Britain getting out of the European Union, which basically means leaving the German fourth Reich. <laughs> <laughs> um, that getting out of the European Union was, was, was driven by racism and let's close, seal up our borders. That's not true. Now, I'm going to tell you right away that there are elements of the Brexit movement like this guy, Nigel Farage, oh, yes. who I'm telling you right now, friend of Donald Trump, Creep. he's a straight-up racist. Oh, yeah. Okay. There are absolutely racist elements in the Brexit movement. There are the anti-Semitic and racist movements in the Labor Party. This is terrible stuff, okay? Yeah. But that's not what was the main thing driving the vote. In fact, people rejected the—Nigel the, Farage created his own party, which got like, what, not even 4% of the vote. It was right. like a joke.
0: Nothing. Okay, the yeah.
2: racist party. Yeah. All right. Understand, Britain has a commonwealth, had an empire, which, is, which transformed into a commonwealth. And they have people from all over the commonwealth who have the right and move to Britain. And they are welcome, and they are overwhelmingly people of color. Right. India, Trinidad, Jamaica. And they come to Britain.
3: Sure.
2: No one's saying that they're considered British, and no one is saying close the door to these people to the members of the Commonwealth who are generally people of color.
0: What about people then, fleeing? They
2: say, look, as part of the European Union, anyone within Europe, and now understand the European Union now it has now included Bulgaria, Hungary, Lithuania, Latvia. You know, what's happening is, is that they are creating a situation in which they are emptying out these Eastern European countries instead of building the economy of Poland, instead of building the economy of Bulgaria, they're saying, okay, just let them migrate into England. And so the talent of these nations are being brought into England. You have in, in like, just, like, four years, like a million people from Poland alone. Where do you house them? Where do you put them? And, of course, it creates pressure on jobs. They don't mind people coming from Jamaica who are, as far as they're concerned, they're British, they come in. But if... You know, it's very different than our uh, crossings from Mexico and Central America.
1: These are I'll people. I to say something. Oh, wait.
2: Oh, uh, we got Ms. Badpenny. He's British. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and just so, come into the office here.
1: The other thing is immigration from Mexico is a steady stream. It, immigration from Jamaica and India to Britain is a steady stream, in and out. It's, the infrastructure can handle it. Schools, hospitals can handle it. When you have a country, a new country join the EU, when Poland joined the EU, you had a million Polish people turn up in Britain in the space of two years when Tony Blair was prime minister and no one had made any provisions for the infrastructure or had any idea, uh, had any estimate of how many people are coming and so there's no surprise when you have such an enormous amount of people sure. all show up at the same time, that it puts a pressure on the social fabric and the infrastructure. And housing has already been a problem for like 30 years in Britain. Like it's just oh, yeah. incredible shortages of houses and rents are horrendous. That's the reasons. And when people would have legitimate concerns about the sheer numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, politicians on the left were just closing their ears and just going la 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 uh-huh. la because they're afraid that if they say something, they're going to be thought of as racists. And the thing is, you can make valid points and see the reality without being a racist. It's just common sense.
0: Well, I want to ask. I'm assuming that that both of you would think that the EU's practices are kind of exacerbating the refugee crisis that we're talking about.
2: Absolutely. You have to understand, remember, to be part of the European Union, with the exception of Britain and a couple of other nations, have to join with the euro, the euro coin, which right. is basically the, the Deutschmark, or as I call it, the Panzer, right? <laughs> it's how Germany took over the <laughs> world. You had, for, the, for Latvia to join the European Union, it needed to have it ended up with twenty five percent unemployment you had twenty percent unemployment in Spain you had twenty five percent unemployment in Portugal you had fifteen percent unemployment in Italy massive unemployment in Poland so all these people say well where do we go well we go to Germany which is happy to crush its own workers by bringing in people cheaply and then they they flood into into Europe what we want to do for the working class of this world is, I know uh, uh, the president of Mexico very well, AMLO. And he Sounds said, like NAFTA guy. hurt the working class of America, but it also hurt the working class of Mexico. The working class of the two nations are competing against each other. And it is AMLO, the left-wing president of Mexico, not Donald Trump, who, re, who changed NAFTA into this new form, which will protect more workers, especially in the auto industry in Mexico and the U.S., that's what we need. That's a progressive program that works. And AMLO, the left-wing president of, that uh, just got elected in Mexico, that's what l- the America should look towards.
1: Also, a real
2: progressive who is not pro-free market, because if you're for free markets, you are for worker enslavement.
1: Also, there's always this thing like, oh, it is really good for uh, you to be part of the European Union for a country. But when they elect, and when uh, Poland joins, when Bulgaria joins, it doesn't benefit the country. They have a massive brain drain. So what happens is that what it means to a Bulgarian is they got a ticket to get the hell out. Mm. And so how is that good? How is that good oh, for, the, for a country if everyone leaves? That's not the idea. And I don't like it when people have to leave yes i'm happy for people to go somewhere and check it out and stuff and and being a steady kind of thing but immigration where people have to leave right. most people rather be home of where course. their family is where their own language is you know
0: it takes a lot to Which get I people to mention that the yeah. uh, miss bad penny
2: who took on that name in Britain, is an immigrant to Britain, became a citizen, emigrated to Britain and became a citizen. So she's aware of the position of uh-huh. immigrants.
3: She knows. Um, she and,
2: and like Tariq Ali, who is really the, the, a leading voice in the uh, exit, that is the left, leftist for Brexit, See. he's an immigrant from Pakistan. Understand that this is not the idea that anyone for leaving the European Union is some type of crazy anti-immigrant racist. That's nuts. You're talking to an immigrant to Britain now. Like and I one say, the of the big is,
1: reasons, yeah. one of the big reasons, like if you talk to people on the doorstep in, the, in these northern towns that were the labor stronghold, they would repeatedly say, I cannot vote for Jeremy Corbyn. And one of the big reasons they would mention is because he's an anti-Semite He doesn't like Jewish people. Those are the very same people
0: saying that. Well, that speaks well of them, I must say. Well, what happens to the left now? Here in the United States, anyway, it's it's a lot about personality. I wish it weren't, but it is. Corbyn doesn't seem to be particularly uh likable uh zoe williams uh with the guardian said he, he corbin is a man without any qualities required of a leader mental agility articulacy strategy good humor or charisma <laughs> so there was also a manifesto you know like a, a party platform right. which had a lot of great ideas what what happens well, to he, the left in britain now
2: jeremy corbin like i say he was my mp yeah from personality he's not a leader he's a kind of a disaster and uh, in that sense, you know, he was—he doesn't crack a joke. He's like humorless. He's—I um, I like Jeremy personally, right? But um, doesn't exactly have a winning personality, and that hurts. You know, you need someone like Bernie Sanders is a really nice guy. Oh He's yeah, his favorite uncle. Funny as hell. Ber- don't compare Bernie Sanders to no. Jeremy.
0: Corbyn. But what happens with the left, left now? What happens? Okay,
1: so here's what's going to happen with the Labour Party. Thank you. Yes. The problem with the Labour Party—it's going to. Uh, tear itself apart because the Jeremy Corbyn faction that took over the Labour Party and the Hmm. internal mechanisms, they started to get into that purity test thing. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, purity. Purity. You know those lefties where it's like, oh, you're not pure enough?
0: Purity is poison, in my opinion.
1: Exactly. They got more and more intense on this purity test. Uh. You know, like, oh, you're not, you're a... And, like, so regular people, like, they were considered traitors because they're not quite pure enough, you know? Mm, yeah. And so, and that is just a disaster. And so regular people out there, especially in the north, they just don't recognize that. When you have young people from London are basically saying, you're racist, you're stupid, you're, you yeah, know? uh uh-huh.
0: uh-huh. Yeah, it doesn't help. Well, we've come to the end of the hour, unfortunately. We could spend at least another hour talking about this. If people want to read uh, more of your stuff and be in touch, gregpalast.com. Thank you, Greg and Lainey, and I'd love to talk more in the future. Good luck to formerly Great Britain. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Trust the working classes. I always trust the working classes. That's where I'm from, and I trust them. They may not be as educated as the elites, but they can smell bullshit when they see it.
0: Yes, indeed. And I think now we can say that on the air since our leader said it as well about countries <laughs> in Africa. Thank you so much. We got to go. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.